Truth Still Matters, episode number six. Come one, come all. Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. Truth Still Matters. The human person is made for truth. Despite this dictatorship of relativism, we breathe every day. This podcast exists in the stream of the new evangelization championed by Pope John Paul the Great and continue with Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. We will have the opportunity to learn and reflect on the timeless truths revealed by God and deposited in the Catholic Church. If you're looking for apologetics or theology that can be applied to your life right now, you've found a new home. Stop drowning in the world of opinion and embrace yourselves for truth still matters. You and I have made it back only by God's grace to share in another episode of truth still matters we got a hot topic for you tonight or this morning or this afternoon whenever you find yourselves watching this vodcast Woo, this this is this is going to keep your attention the whole episode so I'm, I'm going to try not to go too long on this one but why does god allow evil Enough said. Let's get right into it. Sin is running rampant in this world. Now, I know it's not a popular thing to talk about. I know there are people that want to deny a sin, reduce it, justify it. But either way we put it, we can't escape it. Sin is real, and we feel the effects of sin every day. Everyone has to suffer in these days. Not just in the 21st century, but when you look at human history as a whole, it's not if human beings will suffer. The question is when. It's something that we cannot avoid. That's one thing or one teaching that's usually not debated. We can debate about baptism, uh, what uh, the waters do actually. We can debate on the Eucharist. Is it a symbol? Is it the real Jesus, his body, blood, soul, and divinity? We can debate on confession. Do we confess directly to God or to a priest? But there's one thing that is quite obvious. Whether you're a Christian, non-Christian, uh, atheist, agnostic, there's one thing that is very plain. And to put it simply, things are messed up. Things are not the way they should be. This is rooted back into the Christian doctrine of original sin. Adam and Eve being real people turned away from God. And as a result of that turning away from God, this sin, this missing the mark, a disharmony was brought about. A disharmony between God and human beings. A disharmony between human beings. A disharmony between creation at large and human beings. 
and his harmony within the human person himself. We have a difference between what I ought to do and what I do. G.K. Chesterton, who was a, a Catholic Christian author, said, you need proof of original sin? All you have to do, even though you may have some theologians that, that may want to debate it, all you have to do is take a look in the street. I'm going to flash before you some news headlines, just some random headlines. Look at this. Do you see that? It's obvious. Something has gone wrong. And I'm here to say that the thing that has gone wrong is not the fault of God. Sin, evil, suffering does not come from the hand of God. See, evil is the deprivation of good. God is good. Evil is the negation of that. So it doesn't come from God's hands. See, good can exist in and of itself. Evil can't do that. Evil depends on good. In order for evil to exist, there has to be a good to come away from. See, there is no equal competition between good and evil. Not at all. But even though evil doesn't have a kind of positive existence as good does, evil can still be experienced because everyday people, turn away from God. And not only do we commit personal acts against God, we inherit a nature that is alien to God, that's separated from God. And we contract this by Adam and Eve. We have a wounded human nature. And this wound is not pretty. It's not. This wound causes suffering on the emotional level and physical level. And the suffering can be so gripping, it leads us to ask the question, why does God allow this to happen? Why? The atheist has the same question as the believer here. We're all on the same ground. Why does God allow evil? And the fact that we experience evil can be a great stumbling block to come into believe in God. The atheist looks at the Christian claim that God is omnibenevolent, which is all good. And also that God is omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. And yet, evil still exists. Now, if evil exists, and God, who is all good, which means that he would want to do something about the evil. And God being omnipotent, meaning he would be able to do something about the evil. It seems as if if God exists, then there would be no room for evil. Because as being the all good and all powerful God, he would eliminate it. But yet, we experience evil. And the atheist looks at this evil as a kind of evidence. That there is no God. Now, as believers, we tend to write them off very quickly by saying, you know what, you know, you just have to believe. You just have to. But see, we 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 do ourselves a disservice if we don't wrestle with that question along with them. I'm not saying that we have to deny God's existence, but I'm saying let's not 
whitewash or wash over this real question that they're dealing with. Because the more that you and I wrestle with it, the more we can enable them to see what we see. Because we only see what we see by God's grace. We're not like smart people. We're simply being guided by revelation. And everyone can be guided by that revelation, but we have to meet people where they're at. We tend to think about freedom being an explanation. We say, yes, God is all good and all powerful, and yet we are, we are allowed to experience this evil because of freedom. And the definition that comes to mind when we think of freedom is this, the ability to do what we want to do. And Adam and Eve did what they wanted to do, and we do what we want to do every day. And as a result of that, we have to suffer because we choose against God. Okay? Seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Seems to answer the question. But I want to challenge you. I do. Because the implicit definition of freedom under those circumstances is this, the ability to do what we want when we want to do it. But I want to challenge you. I submit that there is a better definition of freedom. True freedom is not the ability to do what we want to do. True freedom doesn't have anything to do with choosing evil. True freedom. See, we have to relearn how we've been educated on freedom. It's not the ability to do what we want when we want to do it. That's license. To choose evil is an abuse of freedom, not real, not real freedom. And I have a, a little example to demonstrate how we have to change our idea of what freedom is. Is God free? Do you and I have to be here? We don't have to be here. That means God created us freely. No one forced him to do it. He is free. Another question for you. Can God commit evil acts? Now think about this before you answer. Because you may be thinking, well, God, he wouldn't commit evil, but he could if he wanted to. God can do anything. But see, God is good. He doesn't just have goodness. He doesn't just do good acts. He is good. And evil, as covered before, is the deprivation of that which is good, which means what? When we ask the question, can God commit evil? We're saying, can God deny himself? No, he cannot. That's a contradiction. Contradictions are never true. I don't care how much faith you have, you can never make a contradiction true. And if you think that the Christian faith is filled with contradictions, but we're just called to believe, let's check that mentality because we are never to believe a contradiction. Can you think of a square that's a circle at the same time and in the same respect? A squircle. Can you think of it? No. Why? Because it's a contradiction. Can God make a rock so heavy he can't lift it? Either way you answer, you limit God, don't you? Sure you do. But see, that question is a contradiction. Of course God wouldn't make a rock so heavy he can't lift it. That doesn't limit God. That just means he's not going to do stupid stuff. <laughs> God is not stupid. Okay? Contradictions don't exist. So we've got God being free and God being incapable of committing evil. What does that tell us about our idea of freedom? 
Freedom has nothing to do with committing evil acts. Freedom is the ability to do what we ought to do. And so again, the question comes back to, okay, well, couldn't God have stopped Adam and Eve from committing evil then? Originally, we may have said, no, he couldn't stop them because of freedom. But we know that freedom has nothing to do with committing the evil. Couldn't God have stopped them from committing the evil and still kept intact their freedom, given the fact that freedom has nothing to do with choosing the evil, but the ability to do what we ought to do? See, the question of why does God allow evil can't be answered with the kind of canned um, response that we have pre-prepared. Because those canned responses don't go far enough. Free will doesn't go far enough, especially when we have a true understanding of what freedom is. It's not enough. But what is enough? The only thing that can bring comfort to us is to come before the crucifix of Jesus. The question, why does God allow evil, can only be answered in the mystery of Jesus' death and resurrection. See, you and I heard, have heard the phrase, why do bad things happen to good people, right? Now, if we're honest, who is really good? Now, I'm not saying that when people go through a particular evil or suffer that they're doing it, that is happening as a result of an act that they've committed. I'm not saying that. What I am affirming is this. Who is really good? Totally. There's only one person that is really good. And that's the second person of the Trinity that took on a human nature. The God-man, Christ Jesus. And he suffered. That gives you and I hope. That whatever we're going through. As horrible as it is. And I'm not trying to minimize what you've gone through. I'm not trying to minimize what I've gone through. But in comparison to what Christ suffered on the cross. Given the fact that he was God. Given the fact that he is truly innocent. Given the fact that he could have stopped the whole thing but chose not to. That is what gives you and I hope. Because nothing is worse than that. You have the creature killing the creator. What happens when the creature kills the creator? The creature disappears. And that's what you and I did. We killed the creator. He didn't deserve it, but yet suffered for you and I. He suffered not so that we wouldn't have to. He suffered so that when we go through our particular go through, for lack of a better phrase, our suffering could have meaning. We could know that the suffering does not have the last say. We don't suffer in vain. It can be used to build up the body of Christ. This is what Paul talked about when he said that he rejoiced in his sufferings. Who rejoices in their sufferings? Those who know that Christ has buried himself in the middle of the suffering. This is what he did on Calvary. 
See, we serve a God that doesn't send us out to battle and he follows behind us. He goes before us, penetrates the evil, cleans it out, makes it anew and says, come join me. Trust me. I know it looks scary from the outside. Trust me. Pick up your cross, united to mine, and it's going to be okay. We're going to rise, but you got to trust me. You can meet me in the midst of it. This is what Paul was talking about when he says, I rejoice in my sufferings and I make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. And what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Nothing. He poured it out. It's finished. Done. Everything. It's complete on Calvary. But what's missing? What was Paul talking about? What was lacking? You and I joining him. He says, Paul tells us that we are to offer our lives as a living sacrifice unto God. The problem with living sacrifices is that we keep crawling off the altar. We don't want to hurt. We don't want to suffer. But the thing is, he meets us in the suffering. Where was God in the Holocaust? Where was God in the 400 years of African slave trade? Where was God during the Jim Crow laws? Where was God when my wife was stricken with cancer? And the answer provided by our Lord and Savior himself, by the Christian faith as a whole. He responds, I was in the gas chamber. I was in the boat. I was in the hospital bed. He suffers on our behalf. He was bruised for our iniquities, for our transgressions, and it's by his stripes that we're made whole, and he allows those stripes because he knows the bigger picture. I don't. I just have to come before him. I only see a slice of the picture. He sees the whole picture. Why does God allow evil? I simply have to fall on my face before the crucifix and say, Lord, teach me. I can think of theories that will help that human beings turned away from God and, and, and it was up to hum, the human race to, to, to reconcile themselves and they couldn't do it by themselves. And that's why Jesus, as he acquired the human nature, made um, a restitution on our behalf. We can see how the brutality of the cross shows us uh, um, how ugly sin is. Sin is not just cute that we do in the closet, but it causes effects, physical effects, and it's what brought our Savior to the cross. All of these are helpful explanations, but they don't answer the question. The answer to the question only comes to an openness to divine love. And the most compassionate, loving act that we've ever experienced is God dying and rising on the cross for us. Any other explanation is insufficient and inadequate. John Paul the Great wrote a letter, uh, Salvifici Dolores, which is on the Christian meaning of human suffering. And he says, Christ causes us to enter into the mystery and to discover the why of suffering as far as we are capable of grasping the sublimity of divine love. He allows it that a greater good might be brought despite it. Not because of it, but despite it. Would I have chosen to do it that way? It seems to be a very messy way. My answer, it doesn't matter what I would have chosen to do. It doesn't matter what you would have chosen to do. What matters is what he did for you and I. 
Let's not run away from suffering. But with the eyes of faith and grace, let's meet Christ right in the heart of it. Amen. in my life and I say it's just not right but who am I to judge when the world's just not right and you're everything to me my dark my light and when I needed you you were there that's right I'm just one in a million in this world and you show me so much love now how can I feel cause you're there to guide me be beside me God you're the only one to know how to keep me happy I adore you Lord and through my words I'ma show you Lord and through my praise and my ways I'ma lift my voice to you you're everything Lord and I know that's true Show.